Christmas can be a little confusing and at times seem, well, fanciful. Decorated trees in our homes, an old man flying in the sky with reindeer, delivering presents down our chimney. I mean, what if we live in a condo? I remember Bart Simpson's ironic comment. Aren't we forgetting the true meaning of Christmas? You know, the birth of Santa. When our kids were smaller, I used to read them this storybook every Christmas season. The main character is the guy on the front, a pig called Mr. Frumble, who goes to the North Pole to help Santa. I was reading it to them one year, one year and I thought, this story is now getting really complicated. There's now a pig in it as well. So I decided this was the moment to explain to my children the accurate story behind Santa Claus or Santa Claus, short for Saint Santa Claus, Nicholas, Saint Nicholas. I explained how he was a fourth century bishop in the early church in what is modern day Turkey and how at Christmas times he would go to the poorest homes in the city and pour coins down their chimneys money so that when they woke up on Christmas Day, they would be blessed. And it wasn't until Coca-Cola ran a Christmas advertising campaign that they dressed and portrayed St. Nicholas in their brand colors of red and white. After I'd given this accurate explanation, I remember one of my children looked at me suspiciously and said, Dad, are you making this up? He was more convinced by the pig at the North Pole. So I can see why some people think Christmas is just a lot of fun, fanciful stories, more fiction than fact. But no, the real Christmas story is not fiction or fable, but a historical event. And here are four aspects of Christmas, which will not only change how we think about Christmas, but will change how we approach this Advent season. What are they? Number one, Christmas is factually historical. The disciple John began his gospel, that is his account of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus with these words. In the beginning was the word. Now the word refers to the son of God, the second person of the Trinity. God is one but also Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he says that through the Word, through the Son, all things were made. He's the agent of creation. And then he writes these amazing words. He says, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He's referring to God being born as one of us in the birth of Jesus what theologians call the incarnation. Now, John also wrote other letters in the New Testament. And in his first letter, 1 John, chapter one, he begins with these words. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. John says, look, in the birth of Jesus that first Christmas, 
God became one of us, human. He came to us. And John says, look, myself and the disciples, we are witnesses to this. He says, we've seen him, we've heard him, we've touched him. John had lived with Jesus, seen his miracles, heard his teaching, seen him crucified and rise from the dead. And these New Testament accounts aren't myth or mere story. John is saying, this actually happened. And if it was a lie, it's a terrible lie. You know, in the New Testament, it says that the risen Jesus appeared on one occasion to over 500 people at once in the Kidron Valley. But that was written whilst most of those 500 people would still be alive. You know, you could go and check with them. Did you actually see him? See, John is saying it's all true. Christmas is factually historical. The second thing we see in his letter is that Christmas is deeply mystical. That first Christmas in a stable in Bethlehem, the infinite became infant. God became human so that we could become like him. John writes this in verse three, and our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. You can know God and be made holy like him because of Jesus's death on the cross to make us clean when we put our faith, our trust in him. I know of a family who got a, a little puppy uh, not long before Christmas and the puppy stayed in the living room area and they'd put their Christmas tree up in the same living room. And uh, on Christmas Eve, they said to their children, look, you need to go to bed and go to sleep quickly so that Santa can come and put presents under the tree. So the children duly went to bed and fell asleep. Then the parents put the presents under the tree, said goodnight to the puppy, and they went to bed as well. During that night, the puppy got up, wandered over to underneath the tree and pooped on the floor. When Christmas morning came, the children excitedly woke up and with mum and dad, they all ran into the living area to see what gifts lay under the tree. The little girl looked at the mess under the tree, turned to the mum and said, oh, naughty Santa. Now, it's not just Santa or the puppy that is sometimes naughty. All of us think do or say things that are wrong at times. I, I know I do. But because of the cross of Jesus, there is now no barrier of sin between you and God. You can enter into relationship with God through faith in Jesus. You know, ultimately, all humans, we're, we're the same. We all want the same three things. We want purpose in our life, something to live for. We all want love, to love and be loved in life. And we all want belonging, a sense of community. And these three things are ultimately found in a relationship with Jesus. A woman came on Alpha. She was from Syria. And at the end of Alpha, she said these words, I realize 
that I've been looking for love my whole life, but I've been looking for it in the wrong places. Now she'd found it in the one who loved her and gave himself for her. Do you want to find lasting love, purpose, and belonging this Christmas? Christmas is deeply mystical. Thirdly, Christmas is highly relational. Also in verse three, John writes this, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. As I said, people want to feel like they belong. And many cultures are hospitable. Years ago, I was in Afghanistan in a city called Herat. And some of the locals there uh, wanted to give me some food. So they gave me what looked like a sort of pita bread with some meat in the middle. So I, I took a bite and as I was chewing it, I said, mm, what's this? And they said, oh, that's a rat burger. I immediately <laughs> felt like I wanted to spit it out. But I think they saw the look of horror on my face because they said, oh, 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 actually that's short for a Herat burger. It's a local burger, we make it here. It was kind of like their equivalent of a Ramley burger, thankfully. They were just being hospitable. But the relationship that John speaks of here goes beyond mere hospitality. The, the word used is koinonia, which we translate as fellowship. It's a depth of authentic friendship that you will rarely find anywhere else in life. You know and you are known as you are. It's a community of faith where no one is judged and all are loved. And what I love about this kind of relationship is that it's modeled perfectly by Jesus. You know, if you're single and you kind of like someone else, sometimes you might wait for the other person to make the first move as you're not entirely sure that they feel the same way about you and you don't want to risk rejection. Well, in wanting a relationship with you, the Christmas story tells us that Jesus made the first move. He left the glory of heaven for the gory reality of this world to reveal himself to us in a way that we can understand as one of us. He knew it was risky, that it would cost him everything, but he still thought and thinks you are worth it. John records the words of Jesus in John 15, 15. Jesus said, I do not call you servants. Instead, I call you friends because I have made known to you everything. And he said, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what he's done for you and me. You can begin an eternal friendship with him today. And then the fourth thing we see in John's first letter about Christmas is that Christmas is completely joyful. Verse four, John says, we write this to make our joy complete. 
Now, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based upon the external circumstance. Joy is based upon the internal presence of God's Spirit in us. When we see the Christ child for who he truly is, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, we are filled with awe and wonder and joy. We read this in the other Christmas accounts. In Matthew chapter 2, it says that when the wise men saw the star stop over where Jesus was born, they were filled with joy upon joy. And this joy and wonder leads us to worship. The shepherds who visited the child left praising and glorifying God, Luke tells us in his account. And when the wise men saw the child, they bowed down in worship. They knew that before them was not just a little child, but the one who held the whole cosmos in his hands. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Last Battle, the children find a stable which is bigger inside than from the outside. And Queen Lucy says these words, yes, in our world too, a stable once held something inside it that was bigger than our whole world. Today, you can have this Christ child born in the stable of your heart by faith. And like C.S. Lewis himself said, you can be surprised by joy as you worship him. Why don't we pray? If you'd like to do that right now, have Jesus by his spirit born in your heart as your Lord and Saviour, and know that joy, then just echo this prayer in your heart. It's taken from this booklet, Why Christmas? Just pray this. Lord Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things I have done wrong in my life. Just take a moment, if anything comes to mind in particular, to say sorry. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything which I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit, to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.